0: It's the 24th of August, 2021. So we see that in this month, 24 days have passed already. And just this is showing us the changing nature of Sankhāras, these conditioned phenomena of all physical and mental things, how they are constantly arising and ceasing. So if we count in terms of days, we see that one day passes, and then the next, count in terms of hours, then it's 24 hours. Mm. We can count the months, the years, and gain this understanding in this way into change. But if we gain a clear insight into this nature of change, um, within the state of samadhi, and we can see just this very breath, and how there's the in-breath, and then a very brief pause, and then the outbreath, breath And this is developing Vipassana's insight. So there was one time that I went to train in Vipassana with one teacher, Lumpur uh, Interchak, in Chiang Mai. And so I asked him about how to develop Vipassana. And he said to look at the breath see how there's the in-breath, and then a short pause, and then there's the out-breath. And um, so we can see this nature of change within the in-breath and the out-breath. And if the mind is still, then joy and happiness comes up, and the mind becomes even more firmly um, settled in that calm state. And there we can look at this breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, and see the changing nature of it. And see how this body is something that is constantly deteriorating within every in-breath and out-breath. How it's something that's always leaving us. This breath is constantly being separated from us. And then we understand how we need to be separated from everything in this world. And um, the separation that happens with each passing day. And things are always moving, they're never staying still. Because we see how this world is constantly spinning, don't we? And it's true as well for our life in this world, every life in this world, it can't stay still. It always has to be moving, has to be changing. And it's moving towards um, breaking. It's moving towards death. And this is what happens in the end. And this is something that we need to contemplate um, frequently. And that's what the Buddha taught to the monks, to the novices, and really to anyone who sees the danger, the drawbacks in the cycle of sangsara. And so whether that's laity or whether it's monastics, if we see that danger and drawbacks, um, both laity and monastics can be called bhikkhus as well. So we need to contemplate this nature of deterioration, this nature of breaking, of ending, of all of these conditioned phenomena, and do this consistently. Now we have to meet with separation from all the things that we love, the things that we like, and being separated from that which we find dear, is something normal for us. But if this is something which we've never contemplated before, we've never thought about how we have to be separated from these things, and we gain them, and we're happy, we're with the things that we like and love. But when we are separated from that, then this immense grief and agony can arise. And it can um, overflow the heart. And sometimes even to the point where people can kind of lose their minds. And they may die following the people that they love. Or they can just be filled up with this grief. And so sometimes the separation happens um, in accidents that are completely unexpected. And no one wants to meet with any of these accidents. But due to causes and conditions, due to old karma that those people have made, they get into an accident. And if they or their loved ones have never contemplated this before, never thought about this nature of change, and then this change comes up, or the separation arises instantly, then the mind doesn't have any mindfulness there. So this noble truth of suffering arises. And then there's the search to find a path out of suffering. So maybe before we had everything um, complete, we had everything that we need in our lives, But we never thought about this nature of change, because in that state where we have everything that we want, there's happiness there, and there's hope for the future as well. We're full of wishes. But when we meet with separation from that which we find dear, then the mind falls into a state of agony It can be real torture. So there was one... Arahant disciple of the Buddha, this great monk, who contemplated the nature of the world and saw how the world has no leader, its old age, sickness and death which leads the world. And also, this world doesn't have any owner to it either, it's ownerless. And we need to, or everyone in this world needs to leave everything in it behind, even though. And what we mean when we say they need to leave the world behind is that no one wishes to leave, but we have to leave all the same. So it's kind of like we're renting a house, and we're staying there and feeling at ease, living there full of happiness. But when it comes to the day that we're not able to pay our rent, then the owner comes to take the house back and evicts us from it. And so this body of ours is something that's very dear to us. And we also have mothers and fathers, we have siblings, we have children. And we don't want to be separated from them or from this world. And so all people who are born are in this state. We come into this life and we don't want to meet with separation. We want to stay forever forever. But those who have wisdom will see that it's necessary to leave. And that's what happens to everyone, to everything. That this world is something that isn't sure. And what is sure is this nature of things being not sure. That things being uncertain is the most certain thing that there is. And old age, sickness, and death is a certainty of this body. And so sometimes this uncertainty, this nature of not sure, it appears very quickly. It can appear immediately. And if that happens, will we be able to accept that? It's really not easy to swallow. And it's even more difficult to accept If we have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of duties, there are people who depend on us. And if we have to leave them, then we think, well, how will they be able to survive? How will they be able to live their lives further? It'll be very difficult for them. They really need to fight. They'll need to go through a lot of suffering. But even if we have all of the necessities of life, Um, Still, there is that suffering through separation from that which we love. But for those who have Dhamma, they can find even this to be an opportunity to learn and to contemplate and to understand the nature of change of sankaras, of these conditioned phenomena. And maybe they'll be able to see into the Dhamma through that and so in the Buddha's time, there was a case of this. And um, we can see how everyone believes that being born as a child of an affluent family, um, that this is a really good thing, that we have everything we need. It's, very, it's an easy life. And so there was one um, girl who was born into a very rich family um, in the city of Savatthi, And uh, she later became an arahant disciple of the Buddha of the name Theri. Um, but so she was born into a rich family, but due to the results of some old karma that she had created, uh, she was married to a very poor husband. And um, she had many children as well. And she went to travel to see her parents, her mother and father. and on the way, her children died. Her husband died as well. Uh, one of the ch- one of her children died uh, through drowning, and the other got taken off by a hawk. And so there was a lot of grief that was flooding into uh, her heart. Both her parents had died. Her husband died. Her children died. And there was a lot of suffering there, to the point where she just lost all her mindfulness. But through the kindness and compassion, the fully self-awakened Buddha, and he went to teach her and she regained her mindfulness and was able to ordain. And she practiced in a no long time, she was able to attain to arahantship. She was able to gain freedom from the defilements. And so she went from the state of immense, profound suffering into the level of an Arahant. And so it shows that she had a lot of barumi to be able to achieve that within that life. Going from really the fullest, most extreme suffering that it's possible to experience. And so we can compare it to people in this present day, that maybe they have a child who dies in an accident, or maybe their parents die, or perhaps one of their relatives, someone they love, dies due to COVID, and they have to be separated from each other. But really this kind of suffering, it can't compare to the suffering uh, that this bhikkhuni um, experienced. And um, if she didn't have a lot of merit, if she didn't have a lot of old Bharami there, then she would have gone insane due to that suffering, and she probably would have lost her life. But because she had already cultivated her Bharami to a full level, and she was able to listen to the Dhamma of the Buddha, and she was able to find this path out of suffering, So she saw this extreme level of suffering, really the fullest level, that which comes from being separated, separated from her children, separated from those that she loved. And when she was young, she was separated from her wealth as well, and it was very hard the life that she lived. So we really can't find anything that could compare with the suffering that she went through. And if we try to compare it with the suffering that we have experienced before, maybe we've lost a mother or father, maybe we've lost siblings or even a child. Uh, But we haven't lost everyone at the same time. We haven't lost all of our relatives um, just at one time. But she lost her husband, her parents, her children. All of them died. But she was able to attain to arahantship due to the barami that she had created. And so the Buddha taught her, and she regained her mindfulness through this. She was able to see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death, see into the nature of change, the nature of instability, how things aren't sure, and really how every life needs to be separated from everything that they have here. So sometimes people ask, well, why is it necessary to ordain? Why do you need to practice the Dhamma? Well, isn't it just something that's difficult? Isn't it just something that's hard to do? Isn't it enough to just be happy in this life, to just live an easy life? Isn't that enough? But if we have things in this world, possessions in this world, and we're attached to them, there is a sense of happiness there. There is a sense of ease, but it's not a genuine happiness or ease. Because suffering is awaiting in the future. So we need to contemplate to see the reality of these things. And we can ask ourselves, well, if in seven days' time, We were going to die, then what would we do right now? Really everyone who dies, they don't know in advance that that's going to happen to them. They don't know that in five years' time they're going to pass away, or in four years' time, or three, or two, or one year, that they're going to have to die. They don't know that in advance. Or even eleven months, or ten months, or nine, or eight, or seven months. But we can ask ourselves, or if we knew that this was going to happen to us, if we knew that we will have to die in just a few months, in just a few days even, well then what should we do? We can ask ourselves this question, ask this to our own hearts, that in just seven days we need to pass away. and Then what are we going to do? We need to be separated from everything, from all the things that we have, all the things that we own. So what should we do? So some people, for them the answer comes up that they need to be generous. They need to make a lot of merit. They need to care for their precepts. need to cultivate samadhi and develop wisdom. And so that this wisdom, this knowledge, arises before the body breaks apart. And that before we die, we have to have seen the Dhamma first. So that we have this noble wealth following us. Because we believe that after death, there is birth again. And then from birth, there is death. So we must ensure that the number of births and deaths that we have remaining uh, is less and less. And so there are even some children who have a lot of barami. And even from a young age, they say things like, well, I've been born again, but I don't want to be born. And we see that this barami that they have is following them um, into this life. Is coming up even as a child. So we need to contemplate along these lines, seeing how we must die, that life is something that isn't sure. But death is really the surest thing there is. And so what should we do? And we need to find an answer to this question. We need to find an answer within ourselves. And we can ask ourselves, we can ask our friends as well. And that, And ask ourselves, well, do we know when we're going to die? And we just don't know, do we? We don't know how many months, how many years uh, it will be before we die. And perhaps we expect to live to the age of 80, but that's not sure. We may live longer than that, but there aren't many people who live past 80. And we may die before that age. And so what should we do? And there are some people who die even from a young age. And this is something that really isn't sure. Because these accidents can happen so easily. And it's possible to die in one of these accidents. So this is something that we should think about. It's really worth thinking, contemplating. And the Buddha taught us to not be heedless. And so we should think about our mortality, about the nature of death. And through contemplating death, this this contemplation and the thoughts that come up, these are really close to wisdom, but it's actually a form of memory or perception that's arising. This perception into the unstable nature of the body, how it's something that is unsatisfactory, something that's not self. This anicca, sanya, perception of inconstancy or impermanence arising, or the perception of stress or suffering. If our minds become more peaceful, however, then we can see this within the elements of the body, and see how the elements need to separate. And if this inside is clear, then all our doubts about the practice are relieved. And it's possible, through contemplating death, to enter into upajara samadhi. And so really all of the kamatana objects, these meditation objects, they're all um, we can all use them to gain samadhi. And we just carry on practicing with them, and in the end, then the mind becomes peaceful and still. And we can see into the Satya Dhamma, the truth, the truth of separation, for example. And so we shouldn't be heedless, then. We should contemplate how all physical and mental things. Um, have the nature to break apart, have the nature to end. And so will, when will they end? And do our minds really, or our hearts really, believe that this is going to happen? You can see that in this present day, um, with this pandemic, that there are people dying all over the place, all over the world, and in many cases, no one's just, no one's able to help them out. We may wish to help them, but um, the virus can spread very quickly within the body, and they may just die first before we're able to give our assistance. And so we need to create good karma then, and rely upon our good karma. And for some people, it really seems like they're going to die, and that all of the kind of conditions are leading towards that, but they end up by living. And for some people, it really seems like they should recover, but they end up by dying. It really depends upon the karma that we've created. So we should try to create good karma, and cultivate a heart of kindness, and spread this kindness towards all beings and all those who are passing away. And then we come to contemplate into this nature of separation and contemplate into death. And so we see other people dying. And then we can ask ourselves, well do I need to go through this as well. And so this uh, bhikkhuni uh, pachatara teri during the time of the Buddha um, that she experienced the suffering of this uh of separation and then eventually she was separated from this world, but she was separated within Nibbana or the heart that was uh that had realized Nibbana and it was her last life, her heart had reached purity already. But if we don't practice, then we're not gonna get to the state of purity. And then we need to be born and we need to die again. And how many times will this happen? We just can't count. And in each life we have a mother and a father, have husband and a wife and children, siblings. And then in each life we need to be separated from a mother and father, husband, wife, siblings, children, again and again. And this doesn't happen during just one life, but it happens over and over. And if we still have the causes and conditions for birth, which are ignorance, craving, and clinging, then the mind needs to be caught in the cycle of birth and death, always spinning between these. And we just don't know when this is going to end so when it's always in the cycle of birth and death, and it's always experiencing suffering, and within every life we experience suffering, it doesn't matter whether we are wealthy or poor, whether we have a lot of knowledge or a little knowledge, there's suffering throughout every life. That everyone needs to be separated from each other, separated from all the things that we have. And this separation is something that is painful. And even if we have everything that we need, um, it's still painful because we need to be separated from those things. But the heart still has suffering. And if we still have attachment to the five khandas, then really all we experience is this dukkha, the stress or suffering. And so some people, they are poor, and they just don't see how the wealthy are suffering. And they think that if they have a lot of wealth, then they'll have a lot of ease and happiness. But they just don't know that kind of suffering. They just think how they themselves don't have enough food or don't have shelter or clothing and they're not equal to others. Perhaps they don't have any shoes to wear, or their shirts or trousers are old, or maybe they don't have uh, books to use to study at school, or maybe they're not even able to get to a hospital. Or in this present day, um, the children, poor families, they may not have an iPad, or um, a device to study online. And so their parents um, suffer a lot, because they can't provide these for their children. But really, those people who have everything that they need, um, have children who study well, have a lot of money, um, it's possible for them to be heedless. And if they have a lot of merits, then this good fortune may stay with them for a long time. But when they are separated from these things, these good things, then they experience great agony due to that. And so do we see this? The people who are very wealthy, um, they too experience suffering. And so, really, everyone experiences this dukkha. Everyone has this suffering. All minds have it. And so the Buddha he taught us to not be heedless, but rather to contemplate and to practice, to think about how this life is something that isn't sure. And so we can think that in one year, If we needed to die, then what would we do? And this death is something that we should contemplate very frequently. And really, one year is too far away. And we should ask ourselves, what about tomorrow? If I die tomorrow, then what would I do now? When we go to fall asleep, we can ask ourselves, do we know if we're going to open up our eyes again? Do we know whether we're going to wake up or not? And we don't know. And then when we wake up, we can ask ourselves, well, do we know that this life will live until this evening, until tonight? And so we don't know how long this life is going to stay. And we don't know how we're going to die or where. Whether you die due to Covid or something else whether we'll die on land or in the air or in the water. We just don't know this. And when we don't know these things, then how can we afford to be heedless? We should prepare our minds first and really set our hearts um, on this practice. And just like this Arahant Bhikkhuni disciple of the Buddha that she was able to contemplate um, and to see the Dhamma and to attain to the Dhamma. But if we don't have Dhamma, then when we meet with separation, then we meet with a lot of suffering. So the Dhamma is something that we should seek out, we should endeavor to find, and use this as the refuge for our hearts. And so we must contemplate the Dhamma, must bring up a lot of samadhi, try to make, sati, mindfulness rather, try to make our samadhi well established, and then seek out the truth. You can ask ourselves, or is there anything in this life which is certain? You can ask ourselves, why was I born? And perhaps we didn't want to get born. And so why were we born? Well, it has causes to it. There are causes which um, force us to be born. And if we don't practice the Dhamma, then we're going to have to be born again. And when we're born again, we have to meet with suffering. So during this life, this opportunity that we have, we should try to cultivate goodness as much as we can to the fullest of our energies and of our abilities. Really try and use this good opportunity that we have gaining this human body, this human life, and doing this to the best, building up goodness to the best that we can. And so we have this faith to practice, and for the monastics, they've given up everything in the world already and come to practice, and there are also those who are still in They they have everything that they need in the world, but they still practice all the same, still are very generous, um, keep the five precepts or the eight precepts, because they're aware that life is not sure, that conditioned phenomena need to deteriorate, and that when we have a brain, then there are illnesses which arise within the brain. When we have a heart, then there are illnesses of the heart, that all organs um, become homes for illnesses. And uh, even our lungs, lungs, something that's very important, but problems can arise within the lungs and they can contract diseases as well. And so we see how this body is something that's very important and being free from illness is the highest wealth. But maybe children don't understand this. They think that if they have a lot of money, then this is something that's really good. They'll be able to get everything. Um, they won't need to suffer. But the Buddha taught how being freed from illness is the highest wealth, is a great wealth that we can gain. And in the present day that we see this very clearly, how those who are ill, It's it's very torturous, it's a lot of suffering for them. But those people who don't sick, who aren't sick, are at ease. So we should set our hearts on this path of generosity, virtue and meditation, and try to walk this path that will lead us to freedom from suffering, building up goodness to the fullest of our energy, the fullest of our efforts because we just don't know how long this life will stay for. We don't know when we're going to die. So may all of you be sincere in this.